So I want to bring you a, a, a word, a message I believe God's laid on my heart tonight about facing a fiery trial. Anybody here tonight ever, you've gone through a trial, you're going through a trial? <laughs> if not, there's going to be one coming, right? Because that's what life is about, right? Uh, we face trials for different reasons. Some of them to test and trials, God let them come our way, you know, to make us stronger, to build us up, to take us to new levels. I heard a man one time say, higher levels, bigger devils. We had to face things. And that's how, you know, just like in, in school, you start out in first grade, you're not taking 10th grade, you know, algebra, right, or, or, or whatever. You start out and you're learning the small things. And at the end of each, at the end of each lesson and at the end of each class, you have a, a test. And then you're promoted to the next level, right? Same thing in our walk with God and in our life. We're promoted after test. But it takes a test to get a testimony. It takes going through the fire, as we'll see here in a few minutes, to get to the next level. And to prove a lot of times even to our own self that, hey... I can stand. God is, is working through me and I'm able to make it. Because without those tests, if everything was easy, we would, we would never have a struggle. Then we would never know whether we could stand or not, right? Well, let's go, to, let's go to prayer over this word tonight. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we love you and we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that, that you're real and that you love us, God, and it does not matter what we face in this life. God, that you're always by our side. You're always going to be there and you're always going to stand for us. God, we pray that you anoint this word tonight. Lord, anoint your vessel, Lord, that just use me, Lord God, to bring forth what you want all of us here to hear and receive. And Lord, help us to grow in you, Lord, the way you want us to. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. In uh, John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus said, In this world you shall have tribulations, right? Or you will. He don't say, in this world you might have tribulations. He don't say, in this world it may come. He says, in this world you will have tribulations. Jesus said, they hated me, they're going to hate you. I mean, you know, he said, the servant's no more greater than his master, right? right? Jesus said, if I went through it, you're going to. He said, but be of good cheer. That's, that, that last part is extremely important. Be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. For I have overcome. So we're going to go to the book of Daniel, chapter 3 tonight. We're going to start reading about some, some, some men that faced a, a real fiery trial. You know, we go through things here in this life that we call fiery trials. We say we face the fire. These men here literally faced the fire. But they're a good example for us. And we can learn from what they went through. And we can see what God wants to do in our lives and how he wants to move in us and move us forward as we go through these things. So let's start out in um, chapter 3 of Daniel. Chapter 3, verse 1. It says, And Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits, its width was 6 cubits, and he set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. In the province of Babylon. And this is where, like, present-day Iraq is. And uh, if y'all know, right before we went in to dethrone Saddam Hussein, he had 
some big images with pictures of him, right? This thing, it says this image was about 100, I mean, 125 feet tall. Now, I don't know the measurements of the ones that Saddam Hussein said that he had, but he had some very similar to this of himself. But this was an image, history tells us it probably was, of Nebuchadnezzar himself, an image set up there. And he commanded, <clears throat> he had this image set up. And uh, go on, verse 2. Said, and Nebuchadnezzar sent word together together the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces gathered together for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood before that image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. In this world today, so many people stand before images. God called us to serve him, but so many people are setting up images. We're setting up things to serve other than God. And this thing was presented as something to serve, as something to, to, to bow down before. Go ahead with this. It says, Then a herald cried out loud, To you it is commanded, O people, nation, and languages, that at the time you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, the psaltery, and symphony with all kinds of music, that you shall fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. You see, he said, All nations and all languages... See, this kingdom at that time, the Babylonian, the Chaldean kingdom was, was very strong and mighty. They had taken over a lot of nations, including the captivity of the children of Israel at this time. And we're going to see here four men specifically. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If you go back to, to chapter 1, we'll see that all these young men of the children of Israel were taken in and the king said, take the smartest, the brightest, the healthiest and we're going to take them in and we're going to raise them up in the, the Chalde Chaldean um, belief system. Like send them to a college. So we're going to take the smartest young men here and we're going to send them to our universities. Basically because they had a very advanced system. And we're going to train them up. So you see that in chapter 1. And now we're here in chapter 3 that he sees these, <clears throat> this beginning to take place. Go ahead. And whosoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, excuse me, a burning fiery furnace. So that at the time when all the people heard the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, and the lyre, and symphony with all kinds of music, that all the people's nations and languages fell down and worshiped the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Therefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and accused the Jews. And they spoke and said to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, and the psaltery, and symphony with all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whosoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. There are certain, <laughs> there are certain Jews whom you have set up over the affairs of the province of 
Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these men, O king, have not paid due regard to you. They do not serve your gods nor worship the golden image which you have set up. All right, let's stop there for a minute. First thing we see is that these men did not bow. Said they did not worship. Now they probably could have got away. Let me show you. If you go back to verse 1, I mean chapter 1, these three men along with Daniel had already faced one trial. Because when they were brought in to be trained, the first thing the king wanted to do was feed them the king's meat. Now the king's meat did not line up with their Jewish tradition of what they were supposed to eat. So Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, it says, it. I don't know about the others, but it says specifically about those four, they chose not to eat. Now in that first trial, that first temptation, they probably could have just eaten and got away with it. Hey, we're captives here. We've got to do whatever they tell us to, right? But they didn't. They took a stand then. And now we see a second time. Now this time, they probably again could have bowed down. It's just the law of the land. We have to do it, right? What about today where we're facing? I mean, the scripture that says obey the law of the land, right? That's, I mean, that's in the Bible. So could we get away with bowing down and say it's the law of the land? I'm just doing what we're told. See, I believe there's a time when it comes a time that we have to take a stand. And I believe that in our world today that it's a time that we take a stand. I believe there's things going on today that we have to take a stand. As Christian people, as God-fearing, Bible-believing people, we have to take a stand. We can't just say, well, let it go, let it go, let it go. See, our, our nation has got into the condition it's in today because people didn't take a stand. There's this, uh, I can't remember who said it, but the saying it says that all it takes for evil to, to win is for good men to do nothing. And that's what we're guilty of a lot of times. Just sitting and doing nothing. Somebody else will do it. Hey, it don't matter what I say, it's going to happen anyway. See, I believe, and I think I probably said this before, I believe we're responsible. Whether the right person's gets voted in or not, that we should look at the qualifications. Do they meet what is close as possible to what this word stands for? We should vote for that person. Whether that person gets elected or not, that's not on us as long as we do what we're supposed to do. If there comes up a vote, a time to stand for a certain law or certain things, if it matches up with this word, if it don't, we should stand against it. Whether we're able to pass it or not, we're still required to take a stand. Do you think these three men changed which eventually we'll see they do. But, but at the particular time when they bowed down, did three men out of how big this, this, this kingdom was, you know, thousands, millions of people, three men not bowing, did that make a difference? At that point in time, it didn't, did it? But see, we're required to take a stand. Regardless of the consequences. When you choose to be a Christian, when you choose to say, I'm a child of God, I've given my life to him, from that point forward, we have to stand regardless of the consequences. And believe me, a lot of times we take a stand, there are consequences. You know, we work for a company that when I first started there 23 years ago, we had prayer at every meeting, every meal, everything. We, we had people using the Bible in there. Um, safety briefings and I mean all kind of stuff 
And now then we're, we're going through training to help us to be sensitive to all kind of ungodliness. So what happens? Do we just accept it and sit down or do we take a stand? Do I say, well, you know, I've got to have my job, so that's just what they say, so I'm going to just, I'm going to accept it. See, we have to take a stand. And what is that stand going to cost me? I don't know what that stand may cost me one day. And I'm not going to be mean to people. That's not what God called us to do. That's not at all what he called us to do. But he does call us to take a stand. And there comes a time in our lives when we each have to take a stand. And these three young men, this was their time. This was their call. This was their place to take a stand. And we see here in um, verse, verse 12, the last one we just read, we see here the accusation. The accusation. Now, the Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 12 and verse 10 that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. It says he accused them before our God day and night. But we see here in our story that these three men immediately had an accusation brought against them. Now, I wonder why they picked out these three. For surely there were thousands of Jews probably maybe tens of thousands, maybe hundreds, I don't know, that were brought into captivity. Why these three? I'm sure that all of them didn't bow. There were probably other Jews. But I believe the answer lies, if we go back to first, uh, the first chapter and read that they were brought into training, and by verse 12 here, when the accusation comes, it says, these are certain Jews who you have set over a family. They've already went from being trained to they have a place of position. So when you start getting promoted and having a place of position, accusations will start to come. Things will start to come against you when you start to take a position. When you start to take a stand, things will start to come against you. Satan is the accuser. He will use people around you. You know, we don't fight flesh and blood, but just like God uses us, the enemy uses flesh and blood to come against us also, right? So a lot of times the hurt... The accusations, the trial, the pressures comes in the form of flesh and blood. And here it did. These people came to the king and said, King, these that you promoted, you brought them in as as captives and you've already promoted them to a position and now look, they're not even serving you. They're not following your, your, your guidelines. They're not following what you laid out for them to do. So the accusation comes. Excuse me, y'all. So they've been promoted. So the accusations now come. There's also a little bit of jealousy. See, we see that too. As a little promotion starts coming, there's jealousy. Sometimes jealousy will take place right within the church. See, one over here said, well, I should have had that position. Well, I should have had, why did they give that to sister so-and-so? I could do a much better job. See, jealousy starts to come in. And these men hadn't done anything except what they've been asked to do, right? Within the kingdom that they lived in, they done what they were asked to do. 
But yet when it came to something that was against their belief and their stand for God, they took a stand there. Now then, they're being um, come against. Let's go on to verse 13. It says, Then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and fury, gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now, if you are ready at the time you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, the psaltery, and symphony with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made, good. But if you do not worship, <coughs> excuse me, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? We see here <coughs> that they get another opportunity. And the enemy will do that. If you don't take the first bait, he'll, he'll throw something else out there. And he give them here. He said, here's another opportunity. You didn't bow the first time. I understand that, but, but I'm going to give you another chance. If you'll bow before my image, then everything will be good. <clears throat> he said, but if not, you will be thrown into the fiery furnace. And he said there, he said, who is the God, you see little G, <coughs> who is the God who will deliver you? Now, if you go back to chapter 2, what's really strange here that really gets to me is if you go back to chapter 2 of Daniel, he had a dream, the king had a dream that only Daniel was able to, to interpret and he believed, the, it says there in chapter 2, he believed on the God of Daniel. But in chapter 3, he's, he's already been back, back, gone back, right? See, I believe that this king Nebuchadnezzar was a leader who was easily persuaded. Because I believe this image was set up not by him. I believe it was those around him trying to build up his pride. Let's build this image. Because they knew that these children, that these children of Israel would not bow and serve another God. So this king was built up to build this image. But now then, because of his pride that he's got built up in, he said, I, I have made this image, and I'm going to throw you in the fiery furnace. He said, who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Who will deliver you from my hands? Let's go on with the next verse. It says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered. Here's their answer now. And said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. I don't even have to think about it. What would bring you to a place that when you're met with a child that you don't even have to think about it? I don't have to think about my answer. Why? You think that's just because they all of a sudden, it just hit them? Is that because they spent time with God? It's because they studied this word. It's because they knew the God they served. It's because they knew that when they prayed to him, he answered. Let's go on with the next verse. See what they say. If it, that is the case, and our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fire furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. If not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the golden image which you've set up. He said our God is able to deliver us from this fire furnace. Now, at that moment in time, they didn't know what God was going to do. And we don't know what God is going to do. 
But if we have the faith and confidence that they had, that it doesn't matter what happens in this situation, God's going to see me through anyway. And see, they said, King, we don't have to think about it. Our answer is, no, we're not going to serve. We're not going to bow down. And God's calling and looking upon us today. He's looking for people who are not going to bow down to this world. He's looking for people who are going to take that stand for him no matter what. No matter what the cost, no matter what the, con- 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 the consequences. As these men told the king, it doesn't matter, O king, whether he delivers us or not. You may throw us in there and we may burn up and die, but we're still not going to bow to you, to your gods, or to your image. And God is looking for a few good men today, and women, men and women, I didn't mean it to say, who are going to take a stand, who will say yes to God and no to this world. He's looking for people who are ready to take that stand. He's looking for young people, young adults, teenagers, Old adults, it don't matter. He's looking for people who are willing to take a stand. There's nobody too young. There's nobody too old. There's nobody that can say, well, God can't use me because I'm too young. Brother Ken, retired from pastoring, right? But is God through with Brother Ken? No. Brother Ken testifies all the time to us, don't he, how God uses him at Walmart. So even though you retire from one place and you move from one thing to the next, God is not through with it. Till you leave this walk of life, God is not through with you. God wants each and every one of us to take a stand where we are. See, my stand is not at Walmart. That's not where I go every day. But that's Brother Ken's place to take a stand. That's his place to take a stand because that's where God's called him. At this point in his life, that's where God's called him. I heard him tell us just a few weeks ago about them moving him to a different department. He said, I loved it where I was at. I didn't want to go where they wanted to move me to. Jonathan told us the same thing just a few weeks ago, right? Brother Ken and Jonathan both said the first day God brought somebody to them to minister to. So see, it's not about where we are. It's about taking a stand wherever we are. It's wherever God leads us, wherever God puts us, that's where we're going to take a stand. That's where we're going to stand for him. Verse uh, 19 says, Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury, and the expression on his face changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I want to stop right there for a second because this king loved these boys at one time. These three boys in Daniel, it said he, out of all the young men they brought from the children of Israel and brought in, he loved these four boys. He personally promoted them to where they were. But at this point in time, because of the pride he'd been filled with and everything, it said that his count and his face, his expression changed toward them. So even people sometimes that might have been our friends at one time, might have been our brother in Christ even, may change toward us in the middle of a trial. And people that you think, though they would always be by my side, will all of a sudden turn on you. People, you say, well, they were even involved in my promotion. I mean, they helped me get to where I'm at. And all of a sudden, that very person has turned on you. And that's what happened here. It says, he spoke and he commanded that they heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. Seven times more. Now, a fiery furnace is a fiery furnace. So what's (laughs) seven times more? I mean, you know. Next verse. And he commanded certain mighty men of valor 
who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning fiery furnace. And these, then these men were bound in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, and their other garments and were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Next verse. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Stop right there. So these men, the very ones, and it said that he picked the strongest, mightiest men in his army, and he said, take these men, bind them up, and cast them into the fire. Now the very ones that threw them in were immediately destroyed. Now this is one thing we're going to see here, that a lot of times the ones that start coming against us during our trial, we'll see them destroyed. We'll see them begin to fall. As they begin to come against us, and God is on our side, you'll see those that have come against you begin to fall. The very fire that they've thrown you into will destroy them. On the other hand, you want to think to be careful not to be one that's coming against somebody. <laughs> Do I want to be the one coming against my brother or my sister in the middle of a trial <clears throat> and the fire is going to destroy me? The Bible said we're supposed to hold up our brothers and sisters. He said if one's fallen, on, we're supposed to encourage. We're supposed to go lift them up because that we then might be able to save a soul that could be lost, Right? So we don't kick, on, kick somebody when they're down, right? But it said that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego fell bound. You ever feel like you're bound? What about the fact that you're in the middle of a fire trial already, and not only am I in a trial, fire trial, I'm bound. The enemy's got me bound up with things going on in my mind, things going on in my life, and I feel so bound, I can't even get free to pray. I can't get free to read my word. I'm so bound that I can't even feel free to go talk to my pastor or one of my other brothers and sisters in Christ for some encouragement. I'm bound. I'm bound up. And not only that, I'm going through the roughest, hardest time of my life. See, the enemy wants to do that. If he can get you bound, you can't even get help, you feel like. And then you get to a place that, 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 that the enemy thinks he's got you now. I got him bound. I'm going pushing them through a fiery trial here that there's just no way that they're going to survive. Because I can promise you nobody here thought that these three men are going to survive what they're going through. This king and, and all these that were jealous and making these accusations said, we got them now. The enemy is like that. He sits over on the side. He says, I got you now. He'll whisper in your ear, I got you now. Don't nobody care about you. I got you now. Your brothers and your sisters, they're too busy. The church is growing and there's all kind of stuff going on. And you're sitting over in the corner and you're bound. And you're going through a trial and nobody even cares. And there's no way you're going to make it through this. That's what the enemy wants to whisper, right? Anybody ever hear anything like that? So you're sitting there bound and thrown into the fire, and it says they fell down. 
Now, we may even come to the point in our trials where we fall down. We come to that place where I've had as much as I can handle and I fall down. But see, just because we fall down don't mean God's through with us. Just because you come to that place that I'm bound, I've been failing, I'm going through the trial, and now I fail. And again, that enemy's going to be whispering, you're, you're useless. God can't do anything for you and can't do anything with you. You might as well just lay right here and burn up in this trial. Yeah. And these men could have probably done that. If they had stayed laying down in this fire, they might have burned up right there and been done with. Because that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to get you down, get you bound, and get you down and say, there's no way you're going to survive this right here. We were talking about today about suicide, my wife and I, while we were driving, and how people that get into that condition and come to that place, some of y'all may know, some of y'all might have been there, you may have family members, whatever, but the enemy gets somebody to such a place to say there is no hope. Nobody cares about you and there's no hope. God don't even care about you. And there's no hope. And that's where he tries to bring you to. But see, there is hope. Let's go to the next verse. Let's go to the next verse. Here it says, Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. He was astonished, and he rose in haste, and he spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? And they answered to the king and said, True, O king. Yes, king, we threw three men. They were bound. But look, he answered, I see four men loose. <laughs> Four men loose and walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Hallelujah. Let me tell you what. Here is the important part. Because see, right in the midst of your worst trial is when people can see God the most in you. When the enemy has you down and says, there's no way you're going to make it. And all of a sudden, your brother, sister, cops coming up and saying, wow, you're blessing me how I see you handling this. And you say, What? I'm in the middle of the worst thing I've ever gone through. And Brother Jonathan says, Wayne, let me tell you, the smile on your face, and I see God working in you. And I'm like, how is he seeing that? But see, in the midst of the fire, in the midst of the fire, they didn't see God when they were standing outside. When they were standing outside, the king said, what God is going to deliver you from this? But when they got in the midst of the fire, that's when God began to shine forth. That's when the king said, I see God in there with these. I see the Son of God there. <clears throat> Verse 26 says, <clears throat> Then Nebuchadnezzar went we're the, near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace, and he spoke, saying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. <laughs> so a few minutes ago, he was saying, What God is going to deliver you? Now then, in the middle of their fire, in the middle of their trial, he saw the God that was going to deliver them, and now he's calling them out and saying, Servants of the Most High God. Amen. So the very one that had put them in is now calling them back out, right? So now they're called out of the trial. Next verse. And the satraps, the administrators, the governors, and the king's counselors gathered together, and they saw these men on whose bodies the fire had no power. You hear that? The fire had no power. The hair of their head was not singed, neither their garments affected, and the smell of fire was not, on, not even the smell of smoke. 
But let me tell you what God does by allowing us to come to this point. See, when we come to this kind of a point, there's plenty of people around to see, right? If, if we go through a trial quietly and nobody knows, then we may not have a whole lot of, a lot, lot of uh, witnesses. But see, these, these men came to a point where everybody saw what was going on in their life. You know, you may have, let me just throw this out here, you may have a little spat in your marriage at home and nobody knows. But when it comes to the point where you split up and the whole church knows because you both go to church and everybody knows what's going on in your life, now when God works a miracle, they're going to see. There's going to be a witness. There's going to be a testimony. When you come to a deathbed, when you come to a child that's, that's totally, you know, gone away from God and in the, everybody knows, you know, we have a little something going quietly nobody knows. But when we come to a fiery trial like this and everybody knows, so when we come out of it, there's witnesses. There's people who are unbelievers that now see and say, wow, look what God has done in their lives. These people didn't believe in God. Some of these were even the ones that had, had accused them and set them up for failure are the very ones now seeing, look at these men who have come out of this without even the smell of smoke on them. The only thing, the only thing that burned in this fire was what had them bound. Think about that. The only thing. The only thing that burned was what had us bound. So when we go through the fire, the enemy had us all bound down, but the, the very fire, the very thing he thought was going to destroy us, it actually is what set us free. Right in the middle of the fire, I've been set free. No longer am I bound. And not only that, God is shining through. Jesus is shining through me more than ever before in my life. Right in the very middle of my fiery trial right in the middle of the worst thing I've ever faced, that God is shining. And now I am free. I'm no longer bound. So they were able to walk out. They were thrown in, but they walked out. You know, Satan may try to throw you under the bus. He may try to throw you in the fire, but we're going to walk out of it. Whatever we come into, we're going to walk away from it. Verse 28 says, Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him. And they have frustrated the king's word. <laughs> the very king that said the word said, They frustrated my words. They have took my word, which the, the king's word is, is law, Right? He said, they have took my very words and just totally torn it to shreds here because the God that they serve was able to do this. Amen. They frustrated the word and yielded their bodies that they should not serve nor worship any God except their own. Look here, capital G now. All ago it was little G, now it's capital G. Except their own God, verse 29. Therefore I make a decree that any people, nation, or language which speaks anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces and their houses shall be made an ash heap because there is no other God who can deliver like this. So this king who had asked them back at the beginning, what God, little g, is going to deliver you? Now he has declared that there is no God. So once we go through a trial... The declaration is made, there is no other God. We're able to give a testimony, and not only we, but the people around us are going to be able to say, let me tell you about this man I know. 
Let me tell you about Brother Jonathan. Let me tell you what he went through. You don't even have to tell your testimony. People don't start telling it and declaring it for you because they've seen what God has done in your life. They see the work that God has done in you. In verse 30, the last verse says, Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and the province of Babylon. So the very reason that these people started accusing them and bringing them up was because of their position. Now it says they've been promoted to another position. The next thing we know after we've been through the fire trial, God is beginning to bring us promotion. That's what we're looking. Not to bring glory upon ourselves, but to bring glory on God. We're looking for God to take us to a new place, higher places in Him. And that comes after we go through the fiery trial. Musicians, y'all want to be coming. Singers. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 16. says, Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian... Let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. These men suffered because of their belief and their stand for God. Many times we may, we may suffer. We've not suffered in this nation yet to the extent that people do in other countries. We've not suffered like these men did in, in the natural flesh. We do come a, a lot of mental, emotional things, spiritual things the enemy comes against us with. We may have tests and trials in our families and in our lives, but nothing to this extent. <clears throat> but this scripture says, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. These men were not ashamed. And these men glorified God in the matter. When they came out of the trial, I can promise you God was glorified. We see that in the last couple of verses we read. And this is what God wants to do in our lives. As we come through a trial, God says, I, here's all I'm asking. Let me be glorified. He said, I'll bring you through anything. He says, I will supply every need. God says that I'll even give you promotion. And all I'm asking out of it is that I get the glory. That's all he's asking for us tonight. I want to open these altars tonight if anybody is going through a trial. Maybe some of this word has touched you and you say, hey, I need some encouragement. Maybe you want to be, be able to be a witness to tell people about what you've been through. Say, I realize I've been through some stuff that maybe would help someone else, and I, I haven't. Maybe you want to come down tonight and just give a little fresh commitment. God, help me to be the witness that I need to be. Or maybe you're in the middle of something like this. You're saying, God, I need that strength to stand. God, I, I wasn't prepared as I should have been before I entered this, but, I, but God, I need your strength now. That God wants to work and move in each and every one of our lives. And all he asks is the glory. All he asks for is the glory.